Tigers on Cage. Shoot his goal! Jesse and Lance talk Tigers and all things WHL with the voice of the Tigers, Bob Ridley. Tigers players, Tigers alumni, and insiders across the WHL. Here's your host, Jesse and Lance. Welcome to another edition of Tigers Uncaged, the 13th episode. Shout out to South Country Co-op for being a part of this. My name is Jesse. He's Lance Dahl. Lance, it feels so good to finally be back and talking Tigers. Yes, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and uh, we turn the page into 2022, which should be a, uh, a pretty big year for the Tigers, I think, developmentally, obviously, uh, Moving some pieces out of the lineup before the uh, calendar flipped over to 2022. And uh, now we, we pretty well have the group that's going to be moving forward for the foreseeable future with this team. So uh, big things on the horizon, hopefully, but, uh, but we'll see where things go. And not a bad group, I'll say. We've we've got a, a couple games in where we've seen these young kids. We saw that victory on Thursday against the Calgary Hitmen. Uh, mind you, it is the Hitmen, I understand that. But uh, I have to say, I think that was almost the best that we've seen the Tigers play all year. Yeah, yeah that win against Calgary was really good. Uh, Garen Bjorklund was incredible that night. He's kind of rounded into form again uh, for the last like, month or three weeks. Uh, Bjorklund's look a lot better and looked a lot more like he did and what we expected uh, throughout the season, kind of how he was looking to start the year. Um, and he played so well in that win against Calgary. Obviously, that you run into into Winnipeg, which is a tough task, even though the Winnipeg was pretty undermanned on the blue line. They still had all their firepower offensively. So now that one's kind of tricky. And then you literally sit for 16 hours, and then you're all of a sudden in Calgary playing an afternoon game in the Saddle Dome against a Calgary Hitman team that's now been fully rested since that Thursday game. So uh, it was kind of a tricky weekend for the Tigers, but uh, it's one of those situations you learn from, I think. You sure do, and I think uh, you, myself, we're going to get Scott Roblin to jump on here momentarily. We're going to kind of talk about the the, the schedule. I, I I was watching a little bit of the game. You brought it up off air as well. seemed like a, uh, a lot of people attending the Calgary Hitman game because it was a matinee. I think that had a lot to do with it. Is that the route maybe you go down in the future, would you like to see more matinee games in the WHL? Yeah, I think there's going to have to be a conversation uh, from like a, a team ownership and league level where where you're really going to have to look at, at different ways to get people in the building. And one of them might be make it more of a standard to do matinees on weekends because you're able to then get families in a little bit easier and, and you're able to, to attract those those ticket sales because obviously last year was a bit of a, a write-off for the entire league and and all the teams as a whole. So uh, now you're into 2022 where Manitoba teams are postponing home games because of restrictions due to uh, capacity restrictions, that is. Um, you're starting to see teams that get shut down here or there, and there, there seems to be this sense that uh, it could be a tough financial second half of the season for the league where – I think anything and everything should be on the table when it comes to debating. And if that means that you do more matinees in order to get more people in the building, because let's face it, we've seen it here in Medicine Hat. We see it in Calgary and Edmonton. When they do matinee games as well, they, they just draw better attendance. And in a gate-driven league, you, you, ha you have to try and find different ways 
to get people in the building to check out the games, even if that means the players are on tougher schedules. It is what it is. Like, like the Western League is a tough schedule to begin with, and, and teams like Calgary have gotten used to, to doing matinee games. I think the rest of the league could follow suit potentially. I would love to see it. Even as a family man, I would love to see just uh, my family, more families going to the game. So we'll yeah. talk about that. Also, the big news this week, Tigers Supposed to play this weekend, not going to happen anymore. Some breaking news on the way. We'll talk to Scott Roblin. That and a whole bunch more is coming up. Come on. Check it out. Tigers Uncaged is powered by South Country Co-op. Tigers! More roar in a minute. When it comes to your choice of beverage, you have your favorites. And when it comes to the place you get your beverages from, Co-op Liquor Stores is the favorite. They carry a huge selection of wine, spirits, local and world beers. Stick to what you love or try something new. Co-op Liquor Stores in Crescent Heights, 13th Avenue, Redcliffe, Dunmore and Strachan Road. All open seven days a week. South Country Co-op, proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. For over 60 years, South Country Co-op has been part of our community. Families gathering around the table to talk about their day, share stories, laugh together, and just be there for one another. The meal on the table that brings families together is from South Country Co-op. Fresh local ingredients on amazing deals for you every single week. And their app gets you access to their flyer, locations, hours, and more. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. We've been part of the farming community for generations. Generations, planning, advising, getting our boots dirty, helping farmers thrive and enhance their land. This is core to what we do because we believe that each crop should be grown with precision, grown with care, and grown with purpose. We are a different kind of business. We are building a legacy. We are South Country Co-op. Tigers Uncaged. Let's go! South Country Co-op. Here's your host. And I reveal myself to you all here. Jesse and Lance. Behold! Welcome back to the podcast, Tigers Uncaged, powered by South Country Co-op. We could not do it without them. We are so happy to be back. We have a lot of stuff to dive into. There is a lot of stuff going on in the world, the WHL and the Medicine Hat Tigers. Uh, Lance Dahl on the phone, and we also have on the phone Mr. Scott Roblin, the interim play-by-play. Scott, let's start off by the big news that everyone's going to be talking about, the postponement of the Medicine Hat Tiger games this weekend. I saw a lot of chatter on social media that the Tigers uh, had some issues, but th- this is not a Tiger-related COVID issue. Uh, not this one specifically, no. Um, you know, to, to make it clear, the WHL is not shutting down the Medicine Hat Tigers at this point. Um, they, earlier this week, uh, paused activities for the Edmonton Oil Kings, the Moose Jaw Warriors, and the Red Deer Rebels, just due to uh, multiple cases of COVID-19 on those rosters. And, of course, this weekend on Saturday and Sunday, the Tigers are set to face Moose Jaw and Edmonton at home. So both of those games have been postponed for now. Uh, they are going to be rescheduled at a later date, so there's no word yet on when those games would happen. Um, the Tigers actually, uh, not too long ago, just tweeting that uh, they're asking fans to uh, to hang on to their tickets for those games. They're saying that uh, they're going to be honored for the rescheduled game. So anyone who has already purchased tickets for this weekend's games against Moose Jaw and Edmonton are being asked to, uh, to hold on tight for those. But yeah, for the Tigers, I mean, it's, uh, you know, this is kind of where we're at for the WHL season. You're seeing a lot of postponements. I believe it's now five or six teams that have been pulled off the ice uh, just due to COVID-19 concerns. And um, this is kind of where we're at. It's not only affecting the teams that are being uh, paused by the WHL, but obviously their opponents who uh, now don't have any opponents this weekend. So 
The Tigers' next game is scheduled uh, for next Wednesday at home against the Brandon Weekings. Well, again, we'll see if that game goes ahead. Now for the Tigers, um, last week they did announce uh, as part of the WHL there were 36 cases of COVID-19, uh, or I should say 36 uh, players and or team staff that were placed in COVID-19 protocol. So that can mean they currently have COVID, they tested positive or exhibiting symptoms. Uh, the Tigers did have two confirmed uh, players or staff enter protocol. Uh, the names of those are not being disclosed, um, but uh, that was, you know, about a week ago, week and a half ago. So um, we'll see where things go. Uh, it's all kind of very much up in the air right now. Um, here's hoping that the Tigers can get back on the ice sooner rather than later, and, and hopefully they can continue with their second half of the season here. Well, of course, Scott, the player safety and the staff safety, for that matter, is is still at the forefront. But uh, I can't help but think in the Tigers' case, and I'm assuming for a lot of the other teams, that uh, the this second half of the schedule is pretty jam-packed. I know for the Tigers, it was nine home games in the month of January, not counting the the trips on the road that they would be playing. And it was basically every other night they had a game. And, uh, and, and you can't help but wonder what the back end of this schedule could potentially look like with postponements league-wide. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see, like you said, where these games are being made up because – uh, the second half of the season is definitely a lot more condensed and jam-packed than uh, the, the first part of the season, for sure. Um, whether it's tacking on games at the end of the season or, you know, you might have some scenarios where the Tigers might play three or four nights in a row um, just to try and get games in. And then there's also the possibility, and we're seeing this at the NHL level as well, you know, you might see some teams not play an equal amount of games, um, especially if you consider the Tigers, who are at the bottom of the WHL standings, um, you know, at the end of the season, one or two games isn't really going to move the needle in terms of where they might finish. Um, you know, this is a rebuilding year for the team, but I'm, I know the WHL doesn't want that, wants each team to play an equal number of games. Um, so it might be based on points percentage at the end of the year. Again, this is all just kind of speculation at this point. Um, it's really being taken on a day-by-day basis of where the WHL is at and what teams are being taken off the ice and what games are being postponed and scheduled. So uh, it is a very fluid moving situation in the Western Hockey League. And um, like you said, Lance, just hoping for the best for for the player and and staff safety, which is at the forefront of all this. Well, Scott, let me ask you this, because Lance and I kind of had this talk off the air. Could you see, you know, like a team like the Lethbridge Hurricanes, which they are in the protocol, but I think they're on the, the tail end of maybe being back playing games, same with Swift Current. Could you see something like them shuffling it around where, you know, you, you're not playing this weekend, Tigers aren't playing this weekend, why don't you guys just meet up, get your two games in, and we'll shuffle it after, or is that too much work for the WHL? Well, I think you also have to factor in the amount of um, not just on-the-ice preparation, but for these facilities, um, that the teams are playing out of a lot of these facilities have other events or other things that are booked on days where the teams aren't playing. That's kind of the issue you're seeing in the national hockey league where they're rescheduling a lot of their games for that Olympic break, but they have to deal with uh, facilities that are already booked for other events. Um, So that's kind of the, one of the big things that's happening right now Um, as well. uh, It is, you know, for a lot of teams, on the fly, I guess it could work, but you're still dealing with, um, you know, still trying to sell tickets. And, and that's the other thing that is is a possibility. You're already seeing it out in Manitoba with the Winnipeg Ice and the Brandon Wheat Kings. Um, you know, there's a possibility that, you know, capacity's already been reduced. It might be reduced even further. There's a chance that we might see a, a point in time where 
they go back to like what we saw in the spring where the team plays with just no fans in attendance. Um, everything's kind of on the, the table right now. Um, I'm not saying it would be impossible. You know, I, I'm sure that the WHL is looking uh, at their schedule and their schedule makers are, are working overtime right now. But uh, there is a lot of intangibles and uh, a lot of factors that are making this uh, a tough time for the Western Hockey League and, and sports in general. Just try to reschedule and, and plan out things. Yeah, I can't help but think of, of teams like Winnipeg and Brandon Scott and, and what their schedule kind of has gone through. And like you mentioned, when they postponed the home games due to the uh, attendance restrictions, and so that meant that Winnipeg couldn't play at home there on on the 3rd. Uh, they're not playing at home on the 8th either. And so like you, you kind of look at, at what games they're going to have to make up, and it, it just becomes this... Uh, this kind of hodgepodge, but like you said, everything kind of has to be on the table because at the end of the day, you still want to try and find a way to get these games in and, and give everyone enough home dates and, and the proper amount of home dates because there's, uh, there's this appetite, I guess, to try and get some of these teams some revenue back from, from what happened last year. Yeah, and like, let's face it, there is a financial aspect of this when it comes to the Western Hockey League because they went all of last spring uh, 24-game season for most teams uh, without any fans in attendance. And it's so close right now in terms of the playoff race for so many teams that even if it is reduced capacity or what have you, playoff revenue is going to be so key to a lot of teams around the Western Hockey League just trying to claw back whatever they can financially from what they've suffered through over the past two years. Um, this is going to be very, very interesting to see how this kind of unfolds. And, you know, there's... There's a lot of moving pieces in terms of trying to maintain the integrity of the games because, I mean, they're seeing some games where, um, you know, there's five, six, seven players out of the lineup just due to COVID protocol or other situations. And teams are having to dip into their prospects. You know, 15-year-old prospects are coming up and playing a lot of games, which is good for the prospects to get that experience. But when you're dealing with, you know, a lot of teams playing four or five defensemen a night and sometimes, you know, 10 or 11 forwards, it, the integrity of the games and are kind of up in question a little bit. And look, let's face it, you know, teams deal with injuries throughout the year in any season, but it, it also is a case where if you're playing with a roster with 10 forwards and five defensemen and you lose that game, well, that's two points that are identical to two points earlier in the year with a full roster. So it's not like, oh, because, you know, we're shorthanded, the games mean any less. No, they mean the exact same. Um, so that's another aspect that the WHL's got to look at in terms of, you know, how fair it is for teams. Let's say a team that has been playing red hot, well, they get shut down due to COVID. If they come out and are starting rusty, they might go on, let's say, a six, seven game losing streak and then are on the outside fringes of the playoffs. So there's between the competitive aspect, the financial aspect, and the health and safety aspect, which, again, has to be reiterated, um, is the most important thing out of all this. Um, there is so much up in the air right now, and it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how the league and, and how sports in general reacts to uh, the Omicron variants and the rising cases. You're right. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, I think, frustrated and stressed out people in the WHL offices. And you see, like, even co-op place, crowd ever since these new restrictions have been put in place. I mean, the crowd's not really into it. You're not getting the many people that you were, and now that you can't eat or drink in there, I think crowds are going to be lower, so you're not going to get that revenue. Is it just easier if you're the WHL to sit back and say, you know what, maybe we take a two, three-week, maybe we just step back 
and and we take a break. We let everyone either get sick or get healthy, and then we try to get this second half in. Or is that going to cause more problems if you take a step back? I think the biggest thing is we don't know. That's the uh, that's the tough part that everybody's struggling with. Look, the Quebec Major Junior League put their season on pause for a couple of weeks. I think the Western Hockey League is looking at that very closely to see what the results of that are going to be. Um, you know, if, if things are spiraling out of control, I don't think there's much um, there's there's much arguments. But you also have to say. Look, even if we shut down for two, three weeks, COVID's not going away. So you have to weigh either muscling through the season and having teams pulled off the ice and kind of what we're seeing right now, or you're going to have to make a decision the other way to try and take teams off the ice. But again, it keeps going back to, look, you can take teams off the ice and you can let things settle down a little bit. But even when you come back, COVID is not going away. So um, I think teams are learning how to live with this at this point, as we all are. Um, but, you know, there is a case to be made that, you know, pausing the season could be best. But also you got to look at the financial aspect. you got to look at these teams that are just trying to get into a rhythm and, um, you know, trying to make the most out of the season. Uh, look, it hasn't been a perfect season by any aspect in terms of the, the Western Hockey League. It's good that things have gotten to this point, and uh, we've been able to get this far in the season without really having to worry about a pause of the WHL campaign. But, um, you know, it is by day looking uh, like some sort of decision's got to be made, whether it's you shut down the season for a couple of weeks, hopefully, and things get better, um, or you power through and, and say, hey, this is not going anywhere in terms of COVID, and we're going to have to learn to live with this somehow. Uh, just kind of looking at what has happened with some teams when it comes to attendance, because obviously at the start of the season, Scott, there was uh, a bit of a lower attendance number league-wide than I, I think anyone was hoping for, but it was it was anticipated because it was kind of this resumption of, of activity and people uh, slowly wading themselves into the waters of how things used to be. And, and I couldn't help but notice in looking at places like like Calgary and in Edmonton, for example, that as the year's gone on, their attendance numbers seem to be improving on average uh, throughout throughout the year. And I, I found it super interesting that in Calgary's case, two of their best attended games this year have been against the Medicine Hat Tigers. And what Calgary does really well is play Sunday matinee games. And we just had one in Calgary uh, over the weekend. It was uh, well attended once again, hit me winning 4-2. But uh, Jesse and I have been talking about this for a while now. Do you think there's a time that comes where, where the league starts looking at implementing more of these matinee games on weekends to, to bring fans in that way? I mean, it's a good opportunity whether you're trying to get, you know, young hockey teams in or, or families in because if you're a parent with, um, you know, small kids, uh, a 7 o'clock game isn't always the easiest thing in the world to bring them out. So I, I don't think it's a bad idea at all. Um, I, I definitely could see that. Um, you know, it is interesting when you talk about how attendance has been because I've seen going into the rinks very similar things. At the start of the year, there was a lot of apprehension and, you know, just trying to feel it out and see if it would work. And attendance has been slowly improving. Um, obviously, with the news over the last couple of weeks and uh, attendance capacity being uh, limited a little bit more around the league, you're seeing a bit fewer fans. And quite honestly, I've seen quite a bit online and even just talking to people um, around the rink. There's a lot of fans that want to go see a hockey game they want to go see whl but the fact of not even being able to have a, a sip of water over the course of two and a half three hours 
It's mm-hmm. it's driving a lot of people away, and you know it's kind of just the reality of what we're dealing with right now. But you know, not being able to eat or drink for two and a half hours, it's you know a, a part that a lot of people like. Um, you know, grabbing a bite and and having a, a drink at a game. But even just the aspect of you know, I, I don't know if I could go sit down and cheer and do everything that you can in that aspect and not even have a drink of water. So um, there's, there's a lot of apprehension, I think, coming back into it on whether it's worth it to come to a game. But going back to the, the matinee aspect, I think it's not a bad idea. Um, you know, I was talking with the Tigers, and it, that's the one thing that is going to be interesting if they do more of it is the quick turnarounds between games. And if teams are going to get fatigued doing it because there was a game on Saturday night against the Winnipeg Ice – and then 16 hours later, it was puck drop against the Calgary Hitmen. So you're having two games mm-hmm. in less than 24 hours span. And if that's going to, over the long term, tire a lot of teams out. I was talking to the Calgary Hitmen, and it is something they've done quite often over the last couple of years, is that matinee game. Uh, Steve Hamilton, the head coach, even told me they had an 11 a.m. start uh, already this year. Um, so he said, we feel we're more prepared for games like this. Um, so I think there's a lot of incentive to do it, but also, you know, for, for players, it takes them out of their routine a little bit in terms of trying to get ready, um, you know, around noon, early morning, um, rather than at night when they're usually getting ready for games, bust them out of the routine a little bit more. Um, if the fatigue factor kind of sets in a little bit more as well. Well, I mean, I will say you look at any game of the year, the Tigers have, you know, that close to a sellout going to be that family day game. It's a little bit early, and and I believe if we're attracting families, which we should be doing, you should be wanting the family aspect. You talk to any parent out there, you know, getting the kids over there, spending $100, $120, and you're only getting a period, period and a half, not worth it. I love the fact that they moved it from 7.30 to 7. That's a W. But I still believe that these Friday-Saturday games could be even a 6, 6.30, and, I mean, maybe they even buy supper while they're down there. It's kind of a win-win-win. Well, and it's also a bit more of diversity on what fan base you're able to attract. Let's say you have a family where you have parents who work until 8 or 9 at night. Um, that's not an opportunity for them to, to go down to a game to, to go see a Tigers game. So that would open up a new section of the fan base who usually aren't able to catch late games, or let's say they work early in the morning well seven o'clock sometimes you're in bed by that point if you're working at five or six the next morning so um it does open up a new section of the fan base say hey, even if it's only a couple of games a year we go to uh we can go to some of these matinee games and really take in um the tigers experience without having to either get up super or stay up super late or uh you know worry about uh, only getting five hours of sleep the next night yeah i think as we move forward and considering the the money aspect of all this, because uh, at the end of the day, it's also a business, I really think that's something they're going to have to look at and, and trying to make it more time-friendly for for people to, to come through the gates and, and spend the night at the rink and uh, and still get out at a decent time because, because you've got to try and find a way to make money somehow. Um, but for the Tigers, Scott, I guess – there's a lot that's gone on over the last couple of weeks that we can dive into. Of course, the first thing top of mind for people is uh, is still Lucas Vekoski, now a member of the Seattle Thunderbirds, as he was traded away uh, for a first-round pick and a conditional second, conditional third-round pick as well. But uh, our first impression, I think I can speak for Jesse on this, was, was a pretty good return for an overage player for half a season, potentially. Uh, your thoughts on it? Uh, I thought it was an excellent return, uh, especially, like he said, for an overage forward. Um, even talking with Willie Desjardins um, after the trade, 
you said that, uh, you know, Lucas would have only been here. So it is trading a player who was on his way out just due to his age, um, a player that still is one of the top players in the Western Hockey League in my mind, and you get a guaranteed first-round pick in this next year's draft, which is the first time in a long time I can remember that the Tigers have had two first-rounders in one draft class. And then they get two high conditional picks and second and third round picks. Um, haven't been able to confirm this, but I believe that the conditions on the picks uh, have to do with the season continuing and how many games Lucas will be able to play with the Seattle Thunderbirds over that stretch. But I think it is an excellent return in terms of getting a player like Lucas. And, uh, you know, when I talked with Willie, he did say that, you know, they envisioned Lucas playing a lot with Cole Sillinger this year. And Willie said, you know, we, when, when Cole uh, went to the National Hockey League, that changed a lot of their plans. And uh, he basically said this is a bit of a retooling year. And the team, with some of the moves that they've made, um, it is really, you know, where you see they're at in the standings. The WHL is always a, a funny beast because um, only six teams in the entire league don't make playoffs. So you have a lot of general managers sometimes who think, hey, we still have a shot even though we're uh, quite a ways out of the playoff race. And I think this is just a sign from the Tigers knowing where they're at, last place in the WHL, knowing that this probably isn't their season, and getting some really solid return uh, for some of their star players. And the the WHL trade deadline is on January 17th. Uh, It's been pushed back a week this year. So uh, we'll see if more moves will happen for Medicine Hat. But uh, the Svikovsky deal really kind of kicked off uh, a couple of trades over a few days for Medicine Hat and kind of put the stamp on, okay, this is a rebuilding year. Uh, we're going to get some high-end picks and maybe prospects back and trying to uh, to build up for the future and possibly make a, a WHL championship run in a couple of years. Yeah, those Columbus Blue Jackets really didn't do us any favors this year, did they? <laughs> that one little move that they had just did not help this team at all. But, I mean, looking now towards the future, I, I think in the next two, three years, this Tiger team is going to be something. The one surprise, I did not see this three-way trade happening, which happened days after the Svekoski trade. Um, you don't really see a lot of three-way trades in the WHL. Well, especially a three-way deal that dealt with um, six players and five draft picks. It was an absolutely huge trade, and it was funny. I was on the bus up to Calgary um, right before the trade broke, and I got a tap on the shoulder from uh, Tigers associate coach Joe Frazier. He said, hey, uh, just so you know, we, we just made a deal. And I said, oh, okay, well, it was the deal. And it took him probably about half an hour to explain all the moving parts of this trade. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a, a huge, huge uh, deal, and uh, I think the Tigers uh, did pretty well. I mean, the, with the loss of Lucas Vekovsky, um, they were an already – thin team up front a little bit they became extremely thin and uh they were able to get a little bit of that back in this deal getting uh brendan lee a forward from the saskatoon blades and hasha botcherov uh defender from the blades as well along with the 2025 fifth rounder from the prince george cougars um i think this was a trade medicine hat needed to make um in terms of getting lee a guy who could play top line minutes um, you know, he has he's still yet to get his first point as the Tigers played a few games, but has looked really good. And for Botrov, um, speaking with, with Willie Desjardins, he's really high on him and his puck moving ability and his ability to control the play from the back end and having an 0-4 defenseman like that to kind of build off of and be a, a key top four defenseman for a number of years moving forward. Um, something I'm sure medicine had is salivating over. Um, you know, they did give up uh, a couple of higher end picks. They gave up a 2023 second rounder and a 2023 fourth rounder. Um, the second rounder going to Prince George and the fourth rounder going to Saskatoon. But with the deal with Seattle and getting a, a guaranteed first round pick in the upcoming draft and 
possibly some more if the conditions pan out. I think they're all right making that deal. And then trading a few players who are a bit lower in the lineup and really um, were having some troubles just finding their place in the lineup, I found. Uh, Caden Glover and Carlin Dezine going to the Prince George Cougars and defenseman Ryan Nolan going to the Saskatoon Blades. So I think for the Tigers, this is kind of shoring up. At this point in the season, they know what they are and they know who's going to be kind of um, the the key pieces for them moving forward, and this was just adding a, a bit more experience into the lineup and a defenseman who they feel is going to be a, a big part of the top four for years. And when you look at that trade, that three-way deal, Scott, I mean, you, you mentioned it. You move three players and two picks, and it sounds like quite a lot, but, I mean, you, you also think you have the conditional second that came back in the trade days earlier with Seattle, so... Uh, you, you can kind of afford to, to move around a, a pick or two here or there, knowing that you have some coming on the other side. And then in, in Botcherov, he's a guy that really is the only 0-4 defenseman on this roster, but he is so highly regarded by head coach Willie Desjardins that the price just made sense. Yeah, and I agree. And especially, you know, for the last couple of years, we've been talking about the Tigers' decor and trying to replace – um, guys like Daniel Baker, who will be on his way out after the season, and Cole Clayton, who who left this past year, and um, guys who have been, you know, those corner pieces, the the, the cornerstones of this defensive core. Well, now you have Pasha Botcherov, who is a 2004-born defenseman. You have, um, you know, Reed Andreessen, uh, who's a, an 05-born defenseman. Um, you also have Josh Van Mulligan, who's, who's a young guy coming up in the lineup as well. Like you have a really solid defensive core that is going to be together theoretically for the next number of years. Um, so I think for Medicine Hat, this is kind of building towards two, three years down the line when you have a very experienced decor and they can really drive play already playing together the last number of years. Yeah, they're, they're going to be very special, I think, in the years to come. Uh, boys, we have been talking close to a half hour. I'm going to end it on this. I want to get both your thoughts on this. Uh, you touched on the trade deadline right around the corner. We've got a little bit of time. Lance, let me start with you. Do you believe that the Tigers are done, or do you believe that the Tigers could have another trade up their sleeve? Oh, man, that's a good question. I want to say with Brandon Lee coming in that they're done because now they're going to have their, their set of three overages for next year and Lee Danielson and Garen Bjorklund potentially, depending on what happens with him and uh, the Washington Capitals. But uh, I, I still think there's a potential to, to see a, a move or two, and, and maybe it's, it's a, a bigger, more marquee name that, that moves out in order to acquire more picks and, and kind of get set for, for when that 2003 class really starts to hit. I mean, you're looking at into next year, really, but I mean, the 04s are looking strong as well. I my my gut says they're done, but I wouldn't be surprised if if they end up pulling the trigger once more. All right, Scott, what do you think? Yeah, I I agree with Lance. I think their biggest move is out of the way with the Sikowski deal, and I think for the Tigers, just with the uncertainty of the season, for them to get this haul back for him, not knowing how many games he's going to play in Seattle, and and not even knowing what's going to happen towards the the trade deadline if they're still going to be on the ice at that point, I think was really big for the team. The one guy I'm I'm interested to see what's going to happen with is Garen Bjorklund. Look, he, a couple nights ago last week, had, I think, one of his best performances as a member of the Tigers, 41 safe performance um, in picking up a win over the Calgary Hitmen. And I think he's been playing some of his best hockey as of late. Um, He's an NHL drafted player, which is always enticing for any team around the league. 
And I was listening to an episode of WHL this week with John Keane, where they spoke with Mark Lamb, the general manager of the Prince George Cougars, who, of course, just traded Taylor Gauthier to the uh, Portland Winterhawks. And he said it was a tough trade, not only because of his experience in trading away a cornerstone like Taylor Gauthier, but there's not a huge market for overage goaltenders in this league. And next year, Garen Bjorklund is going to be an overage netminder. So if the Tigers think that they can get a big return back for him, it's something that they might consider. But um, of course, uh, you know, Garen bleeds black and orange, and I know the team loves him here, and um, I, I'm sure they'd love to keep him as well. So that's one player I'm very interested to see what's going to happen here um, and see. Obviously, it's easier to acquire a 19-year-old player than a 20-year-old player in this league. We saw that with Seattle Thunderbirds before they acquired Spikowski. They dealt former Tiger Eric Van Imp to the Swift Current Broncos because they needed to open up an overage slot. Um, teams wouldn't have to worry about that if uh, they wanted to acquire Bjorklund this year, but I'm not sure what the appetite is for the Tigers to let Bjorklund go at this point. Um, he's mm-hmm. an unbelievable goaltender and uh, is one of the faces of the team. So uh, these next couple of weeks are going to be very, very interesting for the team. Obviously, they have indicated that, yes, we are in a retooling mode this year, but how far do you want to push that, I guess? Yeah, well, I mean, after that 41-save performance, I, I think there is a little spotlight on Bjorklund, and I, I believe you look at the Tigers right now, we have a really good one-two punch with Lankow and, and Bjorklund. And, and, I mean, they just signed that kid, uh, Zach uh, Zariah, was that his name? Zahara. Zahara. Zach Zahara, yeah. So, I mean, there's a kid in the background that, that you know, you could use down the road. Not yet, but, I mean, down the road. So, I mean, if the price is right... I immediately thought that are they I wondered if they would give up a goaltender. Yeah, and it's it is gonna come down to uh what's the, the best move for this team. Um, you know, giving up Garen Bjorkland obviously would be a huge hit, as was giving up Lucas Vekovsky. And again, I've I've talked with Garen. He is a medicine hat tiger through and through, and there's no to to my knowledge, no want from him to try and leave the organization. Um, you know, he's committed to this team. It has been since he was drafted in the first round. Um, but uh it, it is going to be up to Louis Desjardins and the coaching staff to determine if, what's going to be best in terms of the Tigers' goaltending situation moving forward. And uh, they have themselves, uh, you know, about a, a week and a half to try and decide that ahead of the deadline. Well, uh, man, I think Willie has done a top-notch job with it being a rebuild because the team still, they've been playing okay. They just make those mistakes and they haven't been getting the W's. Uh, Scott, as always, we appreciate you. Uh, as of right now, the next time you could hear Lance and Scott do some play-by-play is Wednesday. On Chat 94.5. More Hockey Talk on the way with Tigers Uncaged. Powered by South Country Co-op. If we asked your car how it felt, it wouldn't respond. It's a car. But if we added some magical pixie dust and then asked, it still wouldn't answer. That only happens in the movies. But if we ask how you felt about having to fill your car, you'd probably say, I wish I got something out of it. Well, co-op members earn money on every liter filled at co-op gas bars. Fill up today on Strachan Road, 13th Avenue, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Redcliffe, Eagle Butte, and Dunmore, and Oyen. South Country Co-op proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. When it comes to washing your ride, the most important thing is... Water pressure. Without it, dirt, bugs, birds, business, and everything else stays on. Thankfully, South Country Co-op Extreme Car Wash has the... Water pressure. State-of-the-art laser touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. Four locations, Maple Avenue, Northlands, Crescent Heights, and Strachan Road. This is your best wash. Extreme touchless car wash from South Country Co-op. You're at home here. Water pressure. 
When it comes to your choice of beverage, you have your favorites. And when it comes to the place you get your beverages from, Co-op Liquor Stores is the favorite. They carry a huge selection of wine, spirits, local and world beers. Stick to what you love or try something new. Co-op Liquor Stores in Crescent Heights, 13th Avenue, Redcliffe, Dunmore and Strachan Road. All open seven days a week. South Country Co-op. Proudly serving the community for over 60 years. You're at home here. The talk of Tigertown. Great moments are born from great opportunity. Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance. Powered by South Country Co-op. Welcome back to the podcast, Tigers Uncaged. Thank you to South Country Co-op for being a part of this. It's Jesse and Lance, and uh, usually we we end the podcast with kind of like weekend predictions. Unfortunately, Tigers were supposed to play, not going to play because the teams they were up against going in the protocols. As of right now, as of we are recording this on a Thursday, Tigers are still scheduled to play Wednesday night at Co-op Place against the Brandon Wheat Kings. Yeah, hopefully that game goes through and uh, and that we we don't see any more disruptions. I know there's uh, obviously a little concern from from everybody hoping that it happens, but you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself. So uh, we'll just we'll see what what comes in the in the next few days. But um, now this is a big month for for the Tigers, uh, considering they they're scheduled to have nine home games. Right, and you've now lost uh, a couple of them over the past weekend and. Uh, it, it's a busy schedule, so I guess getting some time off isn't the worst thing. But uh, w- when we talk to Scott about revenue and having uh, people in the building, like the, losing out on your home games isn't ideal, and pushing them down the road hopefully brings people in. But at the same time, you just never know when the weather gets warmer in April and and things start looking up and people are doing other things. Right? You just never know what what's the what the schedule might look like. So hopefully. Uh, hopefully the Wednesday game comes through because that would be that'd be good to see Brandon come back through. Yeah, we always want to see some live Tiger games. We always uh, it's always a lot of fun down at Co-op Place. Uh, just a reminder: if you did have tickets for this upcoming weekend, Tiger's saying hang on to them because that game, as of right now, going to be made up, and those tickets will be uh, you'll be able to use those tickets for when they use that game. So that and uh, we appreciate you listening. Lance and I could not do this. We could not sit yeah. down with Scott Roblin in this table and and talk Tigers if it wasn't for you guys downloading it, listening to it, and our good friends at South Country co-op for being a part of this yeah that's pretty cool that uh that they've jumped on for this entire first season and uh and uh, well if you think about it there's nowhere to go but up because uh, the tigers in in the basement of the western hockey league we all know that uh so they'll improve and uh and we kind of get to follow this journey together from from year one of a, a bit of a rebuild which is uh going to be kind of neat to look back at all of the information you need on the Metasat Tigers, you can get it on their Twitter, at Tigers Hockey, or you can visit them online, TigersHockey.com. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Friday. This has been Tigers Uncaged with Jesse and Lance. Powered by South Country Co-op. Thanks to all of our show contributors. Thank you for your help. Be looking for a new Tigers Uncaged podcast every week during hockey season. Oh,